The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello, and welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. I'm honored that you're here. This time around, I have an interview that has been in the archives for a number of years now, and I thought it is time to take this out. This originally aired on the radio. It was a two-part series called Songs from the Soul, and the guest, Miss Nadira Shakur. She is someone who has used her voice to entertain and inspire people for her entire life. She has a very diverse history, from being in the group Arrested Development to writing and recording her own songs and albums. And then there's also her career as a vocalist in Jimmy Buffett's Coral Reefer Band for 26 years now. Whatever project she sings on, or whomever she is performing with, her voice stands out, and it's unforgettable. In her life, she has recorded with a diverse list of the greats, Everyone from Quincy Jones, Jimmy Buffett, as I mentioned, and also the late Ralph McDonald and the late Al Jarreau. What I was trying to get in this interview was a good foundation. I asked about her musical history and background. I wanted to gain more insight into her personal philosophies. So we discussed how her songwriting has changed over the years and how she's changed as an artist. Then she did something that was very kind. She dropped some very big news. The only people at that time who knew were her, Nadir Shakur, Jimmy Buffett, and then, once it aired, all those people who tuned in. Journalistically, you would call that a scoop. She gave it to me, which was very kind of her. She told me that she would be recording an album on Mailboat Records called Nod to the Storyteller, an unprecedented kind of album all reinterpretations of Jimmy Buffett songs, along with a couple others. For those who have that album in their possession, it's the stuff that dreams are made of. So I'll be starting the interview in just a moment, but I just wanted to let you know, I've got a lot of interviews like this that will be coming out. I'm also boosting them to try to get them found by people, but there are costs associated. If you have a buck or two, just go to www. .thepaulleslie.com. Click on support the show. It just takes a moment and it's a big help. So now, before I start the show, all I can say about Nadira Shakur is this, and I know that people who know her will concur. You won't meet many people in your life like her. I've communicated with her since I was in high school, and the kindness she has always shown me, well, it's more than I deserve. So I'm just going to take you to that noisy hotel it was like a hospitality room where we were, and that was where this interview was recorded. It's my pleasure to present this to you all now. We're welcoming Miss Nadira Shakur on the program today. Hello. Thank you very much for making the time to do this. Oh, thank you so much for asking me and being so persistent. <laughs> <laughs> so I think most stories be, are best from the beginning. So I was wondering how you first caught the music bug. Ah, well, I grew up around music. My father was a musician, and um, actually, it goes even further than that. My mother's father was a musician, and he put some records out in the fifties, forties, something. I never met him because he died when my mother was a young girl. But um, he, she, they describe his singing as something like um, Nat King Cole, and um, 
my father sang, played guitar, played trumpet. He always had like doo-wop groups, R&B soul groups, and they would rehearse at the house at some time. And there was always music playing. And uh, let's see, the first song he brought me home to learn was Alfie. And I think I was probably seven or so. But before that, I can remember my aunt, his sister, she sang in the choir at church. And she would always be singing around the house. And I would listen to her. She'd be in the kitchen cooking or washing dishes and singing along with the radio. But I noticed that she was never singing the same as the people on the radio were singing. What she was doing was harmonizing, but I was probably four or five, and I didn't know which, why she was singing that way. So we were riding in the car one day, and I was singing along with the radio. And I was singing just totally off pitch, out of key. And my, my father was like, you know, can't you hear what's, what they're singing? Why are you singing like that? And I said, well, that's how Aunt Ruby sings. And he realized I was trying to harmonize. And so he started teaching me how to harmonize at, at that age. And... Um, I think that's how I got started. And then when my my parents' friends would come over, sometime they'd have me come in the living room and sing for a quarter or something. And uh, I was about five years old, still living in, in San Antonio, Texas, where I was born. And one day I just said, when I grow up, I'm going to be like Diana Ross. She was my idol. And I just pursued it from then. And the first time I sang in public at a real you know public venue, I was 12. And I sang uh, The Impossible Dream. Yeah, and I'm still chasing it. <laughs> so when you were growing up, you mentioned Diana Ross, but what, what kind of uh, music did you enjoy? Um, well, what was around me at the time was a lot of the Motown stuff. Uh, that was six, like the 60s. I um, <clears throat> don't want to date myself, but yeah, um, we listened to a lot of the old girl groups. I can't even remember. Mary Wells. <laughs> Um, Curtis Mayfield on the Impressions, you know Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder. Uh, those are the groups I grew up. James Brown, you know. I didn't grow up around the listening to a lot of Beatles stuff. I got more exposed to that when I joined this band, and um, we started doing like a, you know, some Beatles stuff. And I was like looking around. Everybody knew all the songs except me, but now I'm hip. <laughs> On the uh, on a recent Buffett live album, you do Aretha Franklin, mm-hmm. and I was wondering how the idea for you to to cover that song came about. Actually, Jimmy used to always ask me to do uh, a James Brown song, the one, I feel good, da-da-da. you know, which is cool. But uh, he wanted me to <laughs> wow, he wanted me to <laughs> do that one again, and I kind of wanted to do something by a female vocalist, and I. Uh, asked him if that was cool and I knew Utley used to be her musical director and you know and he said sure so we tried it and it worked I had a ball so how did you you were you originally lived in Texas and right now you live in both Los Angeles and Atlanta right? no I'm just in Atlanta now uh, there was a, a couple years ago um, Heather and I had gotten an apartment in LA we were trying to do a group thing together so I had you know, was going back and forth more. But I still go back and forth because I have family in Los Angeles. That's where I was raised. Mm-hmm. So what brought you out to Atlanta? I was living in Los Angeles when I joined the group Arrested Development. And for the first year that I was with them, they were just having me fly back and forth. And it was, I guess, getting expensive and didn't make a lot of sense. And speech asked me to relocate. And I already liked Atlanta a lot. I had come here sometimes for because it was a party town. And uh, <laughs> so I moved. Yeah. 
And that was in 93. 93. Mm -hmm. I imagine that one of the things that attracted you to Rusted Development was the extremely positive message that they had. Absolutely. At the time when they first came out with their first single, Tennessee, I was um, excuse me, I was in a group with my brother, both my brothers, and uh, our music was kind of similar because my brother rapped and I sang, and um, my other brother played drums. And I was looking at TV one day. That was Doyle Grisham walking Hi, by. Doyle. <laughs> I was looking at uh, videos and I saw Tennessee and I was like, wow, they're great. You know, I love the African influence. I love the fact that there were men and women together and the hip hop and it, yeah, positive. And um, I just be immediately became a fan and I went out and bought the CD and I noticed that Dion Ferris, who sang the, um, the solo on Tennessee wasn't on the album cover, so I did my research. I went and got magazines, and I looked, and I found out that she was only a guest singer. And so I made up in my mind right then and there, I want to be in that group. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I um, found their management and uh, sent them a letter and, you know, picture the whole package, CD and everything, and told them about. At the time, I was, uh, my father had just died. He had been killed about maybe three or four months before that. So I was just going through a lot, and I was looking for something, and it seemed like that was, the timing was just perfect. And uh, they got back to me, but they never really, we never uh, really came to any solid conclusion. But um, as it turned out, they were doing a show in Los Angeles, well, Anaheim, and In Vogue was opening for them. And I had just finished a Janet Jackson tour a year before, and all of Janet's band was now playing for In Vogue. So I was, it was easy for me to call one of the band members and get an all-access pass and go backstage and meet Speech. I just kind of, you know, bum-rushed him <laughs> and went into the catering room and uh, auditioned. <laughs> then we, he went, went back to his dressing room and we talked, and that night we went to, I went with them to the hotel, and I got the gig, and it was just... A wonderful experience, and I really felt like, I don't know, the power of the universe was behind me, you know. And uh, next thing I knew, I was in Atlanta rehearsing to do Saturday Night Live. <laughs> <laughs> so which album from Arrested Development did you appear on? Uh, the second album, which was called Zingalama Dooney, and then we did uh, MTV Unplugged, and that was the third album. And, yeah, just those two. But I helped promote that first one because we toured for a couple of years on it. Went to South Africa and it was wonderful. Europe, and it was a great experience. Was there any particular song from the the two albums you sang on that really grabbed you or really really spoke to you? Okay, you're going back now. Let's see. Well, the the MTV Unplugged album covered all of the, their music. Um, but the Zingalama Dooney, we had one called, I think it was called Sitting at My Altar that was really cool, and then one called Sunshine that was a duet with Speech and I that was really nice, um, Ease My Mind. I liked them all. I mean, I loved the whole movement of Arrested Development, and I was really happy to be a part of it. Actually, it was interesting when I took the gig, I never even asked how much they were paying, and then, <laughs> When I got to rehearsal, we were rehearsing, like I said, to do um, Saturday Night Live. And uh, I asked Headliner, who was Speech's partner at the time, so what do we, what, you know, what's the salary? And he said, well, you, you'll get $100 a show. 
I thought he was joking. <laughs> and I said, you're kidding me. He's like, no, $100 a show. And I was, you know, a little bit in shock because I was like, how am I going to live on that? You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I had to really think about it and, and make a decision. Why did I join this group? Why did I want to be a part of it? And it wasn't, wasn't for the money. It was because I liked what they stood for. And I thought they were really doing something that was important and positive. So I stuck it out and I made $100 every show, including Lollapalooza. Including WOMAD, you know, yeah, and uh, but, and what was the other one? Uh, I can't think of it, but there were some really big ones. But I survived, and after a while, we started getting a retainer, and you know, it worked out okay. <laughs> and where during the course of this time frame did you start uh, coming out with solo material? Um. Well, I was always writing and, and doing demos, but I hadn't released anything. Actually, Speech produced my first album, and that was in 98. And it was on um, the label that he was on at the time, Toshiba EMI out of Japan. It's called Soul Power, and that was my first release. And after that, I decided to put, make a, a CD of all the songs that I had done and written and recorded over the years, and I put those together, and, and I called it Nadira Songs. So that was the second one. What would you say the the message of the main message of your music would be? Um, love, peace, uh, respect. The main message you said to the main message. I just try to write music that can touch that touches people in some kind of way. Hopefully, a positive way. Um, all of it is not happy music. Um, I used to look at some of my songs and say, wow, can I write something happy? Everything's so sad and bluesy. But, you know, when you're writing about your experiences or what's going on in life, it's not always happy. You know, and I try to write, you know, what's true to my life and my experiences. So I can look at my music and see the different things I was going through in, in life and how I evolved or get, got through them. And um, these days, and actually... Being out here with Jimmy has, has shown me a lot um, about that type of thing. His music is so, it's about fun and people having a good time, you know, and it's encouraged me to, you know, write a little more about that. And my life has changed, so I don't have to write about some of those things that I was dealing with when I was 20 and 30. So speaking of that, how did you get, how did you connect with Jimmy Buffett? Um, Arrested Development at one time disbanded after I'd been with them like, little more than three years and I think speech just wanted to reconfigure the group at the time um, but anyway I found myself without a job and I had moved to Atlanta like I said where I didn't really have a lot of musical context contacts because I was from LA I lived in LA for however many years and I um, just started making some phone calls I called some friends in Los Angeles like oh hey I need a job and two opportunities came up. One was a group called Spearhead. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Michael Franti. It's a hip-hop group, kind of similar to Arrested Development, but maybe he's more of a po- poet and was very cool. And they had a drummer, Mary, who also sang with them, and she was sick, and they needed somebody to replace her, and we'd have to leave in two weeks to go to Australia. And I was excited about that. And the other opportunity was Jimmy Buffett. And that came through... Um, a friend of mine who was singing with Janet Jackson at the time for the Janet tour. She told me about that because Helen Hyatt, who was um, the wardrobe uh, lady on Janet's tour, was also um, working with Jimmy doing wardrobe. So um, 
she said Jimmy Buffett. I didn't know who he was. I thought it was a jazz gig. And I was like, well, I've, I've done Al Jarreau, you know, so that's, a, that's jazz, but I'd never really done a lot of jazz. But I, was, I felt like I was up to the challenge. And I said, all right, I'll try it. And it paid more than Spearhead, and I didn't have to leave in two weeks, you know, that kind of thing. So I took that one. And um, I'll never forget when they sent me all these CDs, and a lot of them were, like, old from his old and early days. They were really country, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was expecting jazz. So I got them and I listened and I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do this. Two weeks before that, I was riding in my car. Jimmy's going to hate this, but I was riding in my car and I heard Get Drunk and Screw on the radio. And I'm like, oh my God, they will put anything on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) Two weeks later, I get it in the mail, you know, and I find that it was one of his songs. Oh, goodness. (laughs) And I was still kind of nervous about it because, you know, country music is a whole other thing. And coming from hip-hop to country, I just didn't know if I would fit (laughs) in, you know. Man, I got to like me, you know, I got the dreadlocks, the rings on my nose. And um, I got a phone call Mm -hmm. from Amy Lee. And I didn't know her, but she found out that I had the gig, and she lived in Atlanta, and she knew I lived here, and she just kind of welcomed me, and that made me feel so much better. And um, the other thing I was concerned about was um, I was sober, and I didn't, you know, sometimes in this business there's a lot of drugs and stuff around, and so I asked her about it, and she told me it was a clean tour, you know, and she really helped my transition um, Hmm. go smoothly, actually. Thanks, Amy. So what did you think of of Jimmy Buffett when you finally got to meet him and you finally started performing some of the vocal backup? Well, um, when I f- first showed up at rehearsal, we were rehearsing in an old theater in New Orleans. And it was kind of musty. There had been some flooding or whatever, but still it was a really nice, beautiful, ornate, ornate theater. Um, he wasn't there. And the other singers weren't there either. It was just me and I was waiting and... And then the other two singers come in. They're both, you know, ten feet tall blondes. Yeah, <laughs> it was Tina and uh, Claudia at the time. And um, I was still a little concerned about fitting in. And it seemed like all the guys in there were named Mike. The sound guy was Mike. There was Mike Ramos, Mike Utley. It was weird. But when Jimmy showed up. You know, I had seen his pictures, of course, on the CDs, but I didn't know he was, you know, flip flop and just a regular old guy. And um, he hasn't changed since I've been here. I mean, he's gotten bigger, but he's still the same. I thought he was pretty nice and and down to earth, and he still is. Mm -hmm. And some of the other albums that you've lended vocals to, uh, some of my favorite albums, Ralph McDonald's album, mm-hmm. uh, his albums, uh, and to me, Ralph McDonald is just awesome. Awesome, yes. <laughs> and also on Robert Greenwich's uh, yeah. From the Heart album, mm-hmm. uh, actually singing some of Ralph's songs. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, has there been any projects that you've done uh, singing on someone's album that for you was especially memorable? Well, of course, it's it's an honor to sing on Ralph's album, you know. Um, I also did a duet with um, Philip Bailey on his album, and that was awesome, too, because I've been a big fan of, of Earth, Wind & Fire all my life. Um, I got a chance to sing on, um, well, Angela Bofill, you know. Lots of people that I was fans of. Quincy Jones, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> hey, Doyle. <laughs> was there any song in particular from Ralph McDonald's albums that you especially found to be exceptional? 
Hmm. That I sang on? Well, you know what? I sang uh, the first album of his that I sang on. We did a remake of Where's the Love? Yeah. And With Dennis Collins, I'm, right? With Dennis Collins. And I'm not especially proud of my performance on that. I was really nervous, you know, and then, hello, Roberta Flack yeah. <laughs> and Donnie Hathaway. Um, if I could take anything back, it would be that. But um, it's it's a great song. We had um, Believe in Yourself, which I've always thought was a beautiful song. Um, I don't love you. I like all oh, I don't love you anymore. I mean, that was they're a good all one. good songs. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and I loved this was an, on his album, but I loved the rendition that we did on um, Robert's album was of um, just the two of us. Oh yeah, that was that was yeah, great. I like that. A little more up tempo. A lot of our listeners, well, actually, this is breaking news. No one else is. Uh, this is new. Jomo. This Yeah, this is this is big news, and you're hearing it first here, uh, Nadira. There's a new project coming up, and I wanted you to tell us all about it. I already know. but <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, Jimmy um, approached me and asked me if I would like to do an album covering his songs. Hi. <laughs> and um, what do you think I said? <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited about it. So it's going to be, um, we're going to start recording, I think, in June. And we don't, I don't know exactly what songs I'm going to be doing yet, but it's... Um, a wonderful opportunity. It's like he's handed me a, a beautiful gift, and I want to um, do a really good job and give him a beautiful gift back. And uh, Mac McAnally is going to be helping with the project, and Michael Utley, and some of the guys, you know. So that's very exciting. It is. Is there any song in particular that you're really hoping will be on it? Well, um, I don't know what songs are going to be on it. I know Jimmy has some songs in mind, but he hasn't shared those with me yet. I got a list yesterday from Savannah because I asked her for her input. And, excuse me, uh, Mac is working on a list. We'll probably do a Son of a Son. Um, I'd like to do that as a duet with Jimmy. And also, in the show, we do... Um, a rendition of Pirate that goes into a redemption song, Bob Marley redemption song at the end. And Jimmy's original idea for that was to do like a verse of Pirate, a verse of redemption, you know, like a half a verse of each. And I thought it was a brilliant idea, the way the lyrics, you know, coincide, the mm -hmm. two different stories. And I would love to, to put that on there. That so, would be very cool. I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know exactly what song we're going to go, but I know I'm going to – it's a very special project to me. And it's Certainly. Um, um, a, a big challenge and, a, and an honor, so I'm going to sing my off. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other upcoming projects or anything coming up in, in your world? Well, um, the, my latest project, I've been doing a lot of like house music, dance music. So the uh, CD Obsessed with Peace is um, dance music or house music. I call it house and it's deep house. Are you familiar with house music? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah. Okay. So um, I've been doing a lot of shows um, just promoting that, that CD and uh, I have a, a new s song that's out now. It's not on that CD, but it, it's on... Um, you can buy it online, like Dance Tracks Digital. It's called Love Song, 
which um, actually Love Song was a song that Howard Kaufman inspired. Do you know Howard? From HK Management? Yeah. He listened to some of my music one time. This was when I first got here with Jimmy, although I met Howard years ago. But um, I had a song, I have a song called Break Away, which is about mm, a song about abuse and breaking away from, from abuse. And when Howard heard it, he said, wow, this is really beautiful. You wrote that? And I said, yeah. And he said, it is really beautiful, but I don't think too many people really want to hear about that. You know? Mm. So, and he's over the years, you know, told me that, you know, Nadira, sometimes your lyrics can get a little deep, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I listened to him because he's an important man in this business and he didn't get where he was by not knowing what he, what he's, you know, what he's talking about. So, Love Song is, um, Kind of dedicated to Howard, and it's really just a song. The lyrics are: I really want to write a love song, but every time I try, the world calls. Hmm. You know, shifting my hand, moving my pen. So, you know, it's like I try to write a love song, but God, there's so much going on in the world that I want to talk about in my music. So, it's kind of my tribute to that. So, another one of my questions is: You're you're busy with all these projects in music. What do you enjoy doing in your spare time? Well, that's a good question. When I'm home, my boyfriend complains. You're on the road, you're doing music. You come home, you're doing music. <laughs> um, I don't do a whole lot these days. I stay at home. I may plant something in the garden or cook. Um, I don't go out very much. Um, I probably would if I didn't travel so much. But when I'm home, I kind of just like to be home. So I just... Read, watch TV, have sex, you know, those kind of things. <laughs> the basics. <laughs> but no, I do, um, I don't know, music. Even when I go, like I go sometimes and, and um, visit the schools um, or some shelters. Uh, but there's still music involved. I still, you know, usually sing or something. Oh, I'm dab dibbling and dabbling in real estate a little bit. Oh, yeah? You know? Yeah, my dream is to actually have some um, place for people that don't have anywhere to go. Mm -hmm. You know, And I used to just do it at my home, but now I want my home to myself. So, you know, i got to find other ways of doing that. But Is there any particular person in the Coral Reefer band that you feel exceptionally close to? Hmm... I have a lot of friends out here. Um, the girls, when the girls were around, we used to hang, you know, more. But now it's just me and Tina, you know, and we we hang. But Jim and I, we work together and and we um, hang out. Robert, Ralph, um, had dinner with Mac last night. I mean, you know, I love all these guys. I've been around them twelve years, and. Um, I haven't ever really hung out with Roger. But Roger's, you know, he's kind of, if you know Roger, <laughs> uh, he cracks me up. But um, I wouldn't say any one person in particular. No. I don't, I don't know. Ralph, he's kind of, in the past, had been like a, I'd say a big brother, you know, when I felt like I may need a little guidance or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I've been able to go to him and talk, you know. So. 
Everybody loves Ralph. Yeah. Everyone I've talked to, everybody loves <laughs> Ralph. He's funny. They all are. I mean, I was just saying to Mac yesterday, we should have a coral reef for either a video game or a board game, and it, I think it would just be hilarious because <laughs> there are some characters out here, including Doyle. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned earlier that the messages in your song, uh, your songs, and they're all they're all very important things. Uh, peace, respect for everyone. Mm-hmm. A lot of them kind of run together. Mm-hmm. And certainly, when people hear music, like the aesthetics, like of hearing your voice, it's pleasing. Well, thank you. What I was wondering is, what is it that you hope people get from it? Well, I hope that they're touched in in some way. Hopefully, maybe some profound way. I don't know. Music is so powerful. I think it's one of the most powerful things that there there is. And um, sometimes we don't respect the power of music. You know, when you listen to the radio today, which I have a hard time doing, unfortunately, um, the things that are being said. And there's there's the power of words too. Mm-hmm. The things that are being said are are, I think, some of them hurting a whole generation. You know, mm-hmm. and um, it's important to pay attention to those things and to be responsible. You know, in what we say and you know the children are listening and the and even the videos. I mean, if I, it feels like all the little girls are growing up <laughs> thinking that. Um, the way to get a boyfriend is to be butt naked, and um, the reason to get a boyfriend is so that you can get some of his money, mm-hmm. and um, you know, even like with the Imus thing, it's like that's what they're being shown, you know, that they're so much horse. And I, I mean, I hate to say it that way, but that's the way it is. And then the boys are what pimps. Yeah. You know, pimping is such a big thing in music these days. I mean, it's horrible. They got it's the an pimp ugly message. cups, the pimp juice. The yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not a good message. No, it isn't. So much emphasis on negativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always good, and, and uh, it, it's always good to have someone out there, and I see a lot of that coming from the Coral Reefer Band, people, you know, that have very positive things to say, very positive well, messages. It's really important. It's important. I mean, music touches everyone, everyone, even people that are deaf. You know, mm-hmm. I have some deaf friends, but they can dance. They feel that beat, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just too important to ignore and sing any stupid thing and think it's not going to affect the world when it does. So much power in language. Mm-hmm. So my last question for you, given that this program goes out all over the world. Okay. What would you, Miss Nadira Shakur, mm-hmm. like to say to the world? Okay. Well, love one another. That's it. Well, Miss Shakur, I do appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. I appreciate you coming down. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Same here. Bop, Doodly
Goodbye.